I dare you to be a Daniel. What an exciting book and what a timely book. Man, this guy was awesome. We have so many incredible stories coming up, so many incredible lessons. We have the 70 weeks prophecy, spiritual warfare, the second coming, the rapture, the resurrection. This is an exciting book, and I'm excited to present it to you on Walk in Truth. You're listening to the teachings of Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and reach out with God's truth to all people. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Daniel felt the burden. I think he was feeling the burden of the captivity, the burden of what was going to happen to his people. And, you know, the Lord says, cast your burdens to me. So what I try to do when I'm praying, even if I've got, you know, 15 things that I'm concerned about, and believe me, as a pastor, I hear uh, a lot of the ugly side of life. You know, I, I, I come across a lot of issues and problems and things, and, and if I were to carry all those burdens for myself, I would be done in about a couple of hours. So I have to cast those burdens for you and for me to the Lord, because I can't carry them and I can't fix them. And so I gotta, I gotta bring them to the one who can do something about it. And I would encourage you, for those of you who carry the weight of other people's problems, to just know that God says, cast your cares to me. Right? He invites you to do that. That's a wonderful invitation. I don't have very many people that are asking me to give them my worries, right? You know, Pastor Michael, just tell me all your problems. I'll, I'll carry them for you. So, but the Lord does do that. And Daniel was extremely weary. And I think that's just part of being human is sometimes we just get tired. In Mark 1.13, when Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by Satan. It says, he was with the wild beasts and the angels were ministering to him, Mark 1.13. In the Garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus is praying the night before he's crucified, he went a stone's throw away, he knelt down and began to pray. He said, Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me, yet not my will but yours be done. Luke 22.43 says, now an angel from heaven appeared to him, strengthening him. And Hebrews 1.14 says of angels, are they, angels, not all ministering spirits, sent out to render service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation? Who's gonna inherit salvation? You. And so angels are involved in the ministry of the church today. I don't know how all that works. I have one angel story that I've told you guys in the past. At least I think it could have been an angel. Um, I was a young Christian. For those of you who haven't heard this before, I was asked to share my testimony many, many years ago, and I was wrestling with just simply walking with the Lord. I had a foot in the world and a foot in Christ, and so my, my wardrobe consisted of tight T-shirts and those old bike coaches shorts. You remember those things? They were way too short. I don't know why guys wore them. I don't know why I wore them. I've burned the pictures where uh, I'm seen in those. In fact, I had a pair of white ones, which was even worse. But anyway, so I went up to the pulpit, and there was this little church in Orange, and, and I said, hey, folks, uh, my name is Michael, and I tried to clean up my life this week so I could talk to you guys. And there was kind of a giggle out in the congregation, but I think it was a bit refreshing to them that I was honest, that my life was a bit of a, of a disaster. And so I was done speaking, and I had talked about faith in Christ and what he was doing in my life, and I was in the little foyer, and a woman came up to me and said, oh, I wish my son were like you. 
And I, and I thought to myself, lady, if you only know what I've been up to and where I've been, you wouldn't say that. Well, I turned and there was a lot of people around and all of a sudden a man grabbed me by the hand. He had red hair, kind of a auburn hair with a, with a beard and he gave me one of those handshakes where he wouldn't let go and he was looking almost into my soul like Paul Hicks does if you've ever experienced that before. He looked into my soul and he said to me, you can help a lot of people. And he wouldn't let my hand go and it kind of got a little uncomfortable. And then he released my hand and I talked to somebody else and I looked around and that guy was gone and I never saw him again. And I had never seen him at the church before. I don't know. I like to think that that's my angel story. (laughs) Do angels have beards and red hair? I, I don't know, but anyway. But I tell you what, it was a pivotal moment for me in terms of my life and uh, the trajectory that God would take me. And that wasn't the only moment where I felt like the Lord was really saying to me, Michael, I wanna use you, but I want you to decide to follow me and follow me fully. So in Daniel's weariness, Gabriel shows up and Gabriel comes to him. And of course, we know Gabriel is going to uh, give him insight and understanding, which I think was really with the burden that was on Daniel's heart. Look at verse 22. And so it says, he gave me, Gabriel gave me, Daniel, instruction, 22, and talked with me and said, O Daniel, I have now come forth to give you insight with understanding. Now it just struck me to know that God knows my name, he knows your name, he knows when we're praying, and I think it's a beautiful thing. Remember Daniel's name, Together, Dan is a tribe of Israel, and Dan means judge, and the E-L ending means is God, the word L, E-L. So Daniel's name means God is my judge when you put it together in Hebrew. And I was telling the guys this weekend that um, the word for judge in Hebrew thought is not God is my judge in the sense that he wears a black gown with a gavel behind a mahogany bench ready to pass a sentence on me. In Hebrew thought, the idea of God is my judge is more God is my defender and protector. In fact, in the Bible, we have a book called the Book of Judges. And judges, like Samson in Israel, were selected by God to defend and protect the nation. And really, they were those who preceded the kings of Israel. So you read the book of Judges, and that kind of precedes the time when Saul and David come, and they are kings of Israel. And so when Daniel's name is translated, the Lord is my judge, it it could mean ultimately that I'm gonna answer to God, and it does mean that, but it also has the nuance of God as my defender and protector. You might wanna write down, if you're interested in digging this out a little bit more, Psalm 68, verse five, where it says that God is the judge of widows and orphans. Psalm 68, verse five. There in that verse, it's talking about the meaning that God is the protector and defender of orphans and widows, though it uses the word judge. So that's what I'm talking about. I think that Daniel's name can have that meaning that God, and of course it applies to us because Jesus is our defender and protector in heaven and he's our Lord and our Savior. So, oh Daniel, he knows my name. How many of you remember that song, he knows my name, he knows my every thought? That was a beautiful song. I think it was somewhere in the 90s. I remember it being at a Harvest Crusade and uh, that song was being played by, was it Tommy, um, was it? But it was, there's another Tommy that was a worship leader. I can't think of his name right now. 
But anyway, but they, they're playing that song and it was really ministering to everybody because it was showing that God is a personal God. You know, uh, sometimes it seems like in a million faces we ask the question, does God really know me as an individual? Does he know my name? Does he care about, you know, what I go through? And the truth of the matter is that God knows you as a person. As an individual, he loves you. He knows your struggles. Uh, If you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. So, of course, he knows you personally. And Daniel was weary Isaiah 50 verse four says of the Messiah, the Lord God has given me the tongue of disciples that I may know how to sustain the weary one with a word. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to listen as a disciple. I certainly realize that sometimes you guys come in here and you're weary. I know that. Uh, I know you have tough days, tough weeks, tough months. I know some of you have difficult situations and questions. And my prayer for you is that when you come in here, that some of the words that come out from the scriptures encourage you in your weariness. You're not all weary, but some of you are. And the Bible can do that for you. And so the angel begins to to address Daniel after he says to Daniel that, he says in verse 21, oh Daniel, he says, I have now come forth to give you insight with understanding. He says, at the beginning of your supplications, the command was issued, NIV, as soon as you began to pray, an answer was given. The moment that you began to pray, an answer was coming forth. God knows our thoughts before we think them, our prayers before we pray them. But in some way, God also uses our prayers as a means to his ends or to fulfill his will. And so Daniel is praying And in response to that prayer, but of course under the sovereignty of God, the big theme of the book of Daniel, a command was issued. As soon as you began to pray, an answer was given. And of course, the way this answer was going to be given was an angel was dispatched to give the answer to Daniel. I've come to tell you, middle of the verse, for you are highly esteemed, so give heed to the message and gain understanding of the vision. If an angel tells Daniel that he is highly esteemed, where do you think he may be highly esteemed? I think in heaven. Daniel, some of the versions say, you are greatly beloved, which is beautiful. Uh, Daniel was highly esteemed in heaven. If you have a New Living Translation, it says you are very precious to God. And I, I wonder about that as an individual, like, You know, how would one gain esteem in heaven? Heaven becomes, as you study your Bible, a synonym for God. So if you're greatly beloved or highly esteemed, I mean, that that speaks volumes. So I know your name, Daniel. God's heard your prayers. And by the way, you are highly esteemed in heaven. (laughs) There's nowhere else I'd like to be highly esteemed, right? Amen? Than in heaven itself. That's what we should be shooting for. We, we worry so much about what other people think of us, but ultimately, you know, my audience really is an audience of one, and I want him to be pleased with what I do, how I preach, how I live. And Daniel was that kind of man. We know he wasn't a perfect man. 1 Kings 8.46 says there's no man who does not sin. He was confessing his sin, but I even think that God appreciates that. I think God appreciates honesty. I think God appreciates transparency. 
By the way, you're not pulling the wool over the eyes of the shepherd anyway. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. But first... The Book of Ruth is a tiny gem in scriptures. Its story goes much deeper than we see on the surface. It's a story of loving kindness, hope, and redemption. Naomi and Ruth face some of life's biggest challenges, and Boaz becomes their redeemer. Looking deeper, the lady's story is our story, and Boaz is a picture of our ultimate redeemer, Jesus Christ. This book will give you hope through the toughest seasons and lead you back to the answer, our God, who is filled with loving kindness and is our hope. For your donation of $20 or more, we would like to give you a copy of the CD set or DVD by Pastor Michael Lance, Ruth, the Lord of the Harvest. Visit walkintruth.com today. That's walkintruth.com. Now back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walk in Truth. If you're greatly beloved or highly esteemed, I mean, that, that speaks volumes. So I know your name, Daniel. God's heard your prayers. And by the way, you are highly esteemed in heaven. There's nowhere else I'd like to be highly esteemed, right? Amen? Than in heaven itself. That's what we should be shooting for. We, we worry so much about what other people think of us, but ultimately, you know, my audience really is an audience of one, and I want him to be pleased with what I do, how I preach, how I live. And Daniel was that kind of man. We know he wasn't a perfect man. 1 Kings 8.46 says there's no man who does not sin. He was confessing his sin. But I even think that God appreciates that. I think God appreciates honesty. I think God appreciates transparency. By the way, you're not pulling the wool over the eyes of the shepherd anyway if you hold things back in prayer or if you try to update him on current events. I'm not sure if you knew this about me, Lord. But uh, I, ha- I have some weaknesses in this area. Oh, wow. <laughs> no, that's not the case. Transparency, especially before God, can be very freeing. And so Daniel is addressed And he says, you're greatly beloved, so here's the message. I know you've been burdened for your people. I know you've been burdened about what's gonna happen, and I've come to give you the answer. This is an awesome insight, but the moment Daniel prayed, heaven was enlisted. And later in our Bibles, we read that Gabriel has a habit of doing this kind of thing, of showing up. He shows up to Zacharias in Luke 1.19 and to Mary, in Luke 1.26, and in both cases, in Luke 1.19, he's announcing or giving the annunciation of the birth of John the Baptist, and in Luke 1.26, he tells Mary that she's going to have a son, and interestingly enough, there's about 500 years that separate this moment when this word is given to Daniel and those annunciations, maybe a little less than that, actually a little bit more than that, but let's just call it about 500 years. It's interesting that Gabriel got to announce the prophecy, the 70 weeks prophecy, which does speak of the first coming of Jesus, and then got to be there to speak to the people who are actually going to be the vehicles to bring forth the Messiah. Isn't that cool? I'm I'm sure Gabriel was saying, Lord, how long is it going to be until I can meet Mary and give her the announcement of the coming? Well, it's going to be about 500 years. Wow, 500 years. But maybe on angel time, that's nothing. I don't know. And so, I've come to give you understanding you're very precious to God. And I just want to tell you, saints, that many times in the New Testament, it calls us the beloved of God. 
For God so loved the world. Paul says that Jesus loved me and gave himself for me. So you are greatly loved in heaven. That's why God sent his son for you. To make sure that you would be in heaven as a co-heir of Jesus Christ. You are greatly loved in heaven. Sometimes it's hard to get our arms around that one, right? Especially in our days when we're not doing so great. But God loved us and he demonstrated that love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God put his love on display at that cross. So here's the prophecy. 70 weeks as Gabriel addresses Daniel, literally 70 sevens, that's a unit of seven, have been decreed or determined for your people, that's Israel, your holy city, that's Jerusalem. Now there are six things that we're gonna see that have been decreed for Jerusalem in this 70 weeks prophecy. See the word weeks there? It's a Hebrew word called Shabua, S-H-A-B-U-A, Shabua. It means a period of seven, it could be days, years, weeks, but because Daniel has been focusing on the 70 years of captivity and because of the way that this uh, prophecy sets up, most scholars hold that this is years, weeks of years. So 70 weeks or 77s is the literal translation have been decreed. The Hebrew word is actually the word seven or a group or a unit or more accurately, you could say a group of seven something. And so it is a group of seven years is the conclusion of most scholars. Now, th the, this is a suggestion of an outline of the prophecy. In verse 24, you get the scope of the entire prophecy. In verse 25, you get 69 weeks that are talked about. In verse 26, you get an interval between the 69th and 70th week. The 70th week, remember, is the last seven years that we've talked about. And then we'll get the 70th week in verse 27. So let's look at it in the NIV. Seventy sevens are decreed for your people, your holy city. Six things. To finish transgression, to put an end to sin, to atone for wickedness, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. The word for decreed there is katak in Hebrew. It means this has been determined, it's been settled, it's been marked out. Jesus Christ in Acts 2, 23, was delivered up by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God. When Jesus died, he died on the Passover. He rose, he was buried, uh, and then rose on feast days. According to God's calendar, Jesus was on God's clock when he came here. The amount of ministry time that he would serve, the, when he would show up at certain feasts and so forth, all part of God's plan, God's daytimer or calendar. Galatians 4.4 says, when the fullness of the time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. Scholars say the fullness of time means when the time was exactly right, God sent forth his son. He already had a plan and he was gonna fulfill that plan. And by the way, he has a plan for your life and he's gonna fulfill that plan as well. 
And so they, these are the things that are gonna go on and they have to do with the people of Israel. I want you to turn to um, Isaiah, just a little, a few books before Daniel, Isaiah 43. Turn to Isaiah 43. In Exodus 4.22, it says that Israel is my son, my firstborn. This prophecy, by the way, gives us further evidence, Isaiah 43, that God is not done with the actual nation of Israel. And we do know that it is a big deal that Israel returned to the land in 48, recaptured Jerusalem in 1967, and has plans to rebuild a temple, at least plans among some of the people of Israel. For those of you who, how many of you went to Israel with us in March? All right, we went to a place called the Temple Institute. In the Temple Institute, we saw a bunch of the implements for the temple that have already been built and are prepared. They are training priests for temple sacrifice. They've been able to track down priests by the last name of the individuals and those who are, uh, maybe you've seen programs where people are feeling like maybe they're Jewish and they're getting their DNA tested and people are flocking back to Israel. And there is a place called the Temple Institute. We were just there where you can see the menorah. You can see the different uh, pots and things for the temple. And so this is happening right now. I don't know what the time frame will be, but I'll tell you, we are closer than we've ever been before. God's heart for Israel, unmistakable throughout the whole Bible, but listen to Isaiah 43, look at verse one. But now thus says the Lord, Isaiah 43, one, your creator, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched. We can think of some scenes in the book of Daniel. Nor will the flame burn you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I have given Egypt as your ransom, Cush and Seba in your place. Since you are precious in my sight, since you are honored, and God says, and I love you. And I will give other men in your place and other peoples in exchange for your life. Do not fear, I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth, everyone who is called by my name, and whom I have created for my glory whom I have formed, even whom I have made. And so back to Daniel, the Babylonian captivity was prophesied for the people of Israel. They were coming to the end of the 70 years. Uh, if you're interested in noting this, the Babylonian captivity was based on the fact that they were not honoring the Sabbaths and letting the land rest. If you wanna do more study on this idea, look at Leviticus 25, one through 22. Leviticus 26, verses three through 35, and Deuteronomy 15. You can also see the idea of the years there as well. And so the 70 years were a punishment from God, and now it was coming to the end. And so six things, I'll mention them again in verse 24 of Daniel 9. When this all happens, transgression is to be finished. There will be an end of sin. Atonement for sin is to be made everlasting righteousness to be brought in, vision and prophecy will be sealed up, 
And the most holy, it either could be the temple or the most holy one, the Messiah, is to be anointed. These six things are at the center of the prophecy. I do believe that the most holy being anointed is the Messiah because the Messiah is at the center of verse 25 and the Messiah is going to be the one that accomplishes much of what is in verse 24. And so this is a prophecy. Number one, the prophecy says, it will finish transgression or make an end of sin. Whose sin? Who's the subject of the prophecy? Israel. What's the problem for Israel today? Unbelief. Hey guys, it's incredible that we're entering the holiday season now, and we have a wonderful product to offer to you as a thank you for a donation of $20 or more to the ongoing ministry of Walk in Truth. It's called Lord of the Harvest. It's a teaching through the book of Ruth. The book of Ruth, the story of Ruth, is more than just what you see on the surface. It's really a story of loving kindness, hope, and redemption. As Naomi and Ruth face some of life's biggest challenges, but meet a kinsman redeemer named Boaz. When we look a little deeper, their story is our story, and Boaz is a picture of our ultimate redeemer, Jesus Christ. I would love to get this product into your hands. Go to our website at walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH, and we'll get this product in your hands. And for a donation of $20 or more, you'll be helping us reach more people and reach out with God's truth this holiday season. We appreciate it. We love you. God bless you. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, encouraging you to reach out with God's truth to all people.